Jim is wearing his heels. So the top band, I think, is 35k for England, and then it goes down to 27. The majority of the girls are turning up to training in their police gear, their dentist gear. They've just come from the nine to five job. They turn up to training, they do a gym session, they do the training session, and we don't finish till half nine at night. To be able to have female coaches coaching at an international level, that's when the, the steps start being made uh, to grow that side of the game as the coaching side. So with the Lions coming in, I'd leave it a few years, let it develop, let the women's game grow as it is. On this episode, I'm joined by an England and Harlequins rugby player. It's the wonderful Ellie Kildun. The ADHD stuff's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I haven't been diagnosed. And I actually said to my know. mom the other day, I was like, I definitely, she was like, Ellie, it's an excuse, just do uni work. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, this is that my lad is nine. Uh, sorry, my lad's 12, but at nine, I was like, I could see traits of like you can see me. I, yeah, like, I don't. Yeah. You, I think there's a part now where I'm quite emotionally aware. Mm. I can see the people like you know when you're moving around and like I'm very like that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that either, yeah. but I know that that is my ADHD yeah, and also yeah, yeah. that I can't concentrate on five or six things. Yeah. So I am really trying to. I'm in a space where I'm really trying to kind of. I'm posting stuff, you might have seen on Instagram, like this shit, you know, about being in the moment, yeah, just yeah. one step at a time. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of creative people have ADHD I and autism. I think it's a bit of a superpower. There like, you go. And that's why I've got to listen to music all the time, because I always say from a kid, like, I've got to have music on so that there's only the music and then the thing that I'm doing. As soon as I don't have that on, I can hear this conversation, I can hear this conversation, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing all of it, but I'm not doing the thing that I'm wanting to do. And there are TikToks that are going on at the moment about POV, you've got ADHD, and it's just words. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, and some people find that overwhelming, but I'm just like... Yeah, going on. I can talk to you and then suddenly talk about a story that was going on five days ago and then jump back into the conversation as if I've not just changed conversation. But I guess it's how it's how I tick. So. Exactly. And I think there's a level of acceptance now in society that that's the way it is. Yeah. But I know it's like, you know, with the phones and stuff like that. And that's, again, if I see a message and recording this, this is on airplane mode. If a message popped up and we're talking, I'd be... I, I, all I'd be thinking about is the message <laughs> that's just popped up and then I'd be like, and then I'm not listening to what you're saying. My wife, like, it drives her mad. So she has to say, put your phone down, listen to what I'm saying. And I've got four kids. So I've got a lot. all of these things going on. I'm traveling. I'm thinking about podcasts. I'm listening to podcasts. Well, I mean, I don't know, for the listeners, we've already started, but we're talking about ADHD. I don't know whether you can read. I One of my New Year's resolutions for the last five years was to read. I'll pick up a book. Few pages that's done. I've never read a full book. There you go. Even for my GCSEs, English GCSEs, I didn't read the book and I made up quotes. I mean, I did well. I got, I think I got an A or a B, but yeah, I made up the quotations because I just, I, I actually got a book a few months ago and it was about 
uh, being a successful woman and walking into the room and owning the room. And I was like, this is the new start for me. It's the new me coming back from World Cup. I'm going to really put some time into myself. And so I bought the book, read two pages on the train, left it on the train. So then I re-bought the book, bought another one and read another page and it's sat in my room ever since because I just forget about it or I just can't I don't know how people sit down and read pages upon pages because I'm reading it and then I'm thinking about something else and then I'm thinking oh god I'm not reading the books I don't actually know what's going on so I'm trying to make notes as if I'm learning at school but yeah it doesn't work self-diagnosed ADHD (laughs) that's what we've come up with but thankfully we're doing a podcast so we can just talk and go in whatever direction so thank you for coming in what's your backstory I, I mean I've started to watch more of women's rugby. Mm. The natural one was the World Cup. I watched the World Cup final. I thought it was brilliant. A load of drama. Follow you on social media so I can see bits and bobs that are coming in. But just for the listeners, just a little bit about your your backstory. Uh, Yeah, so I started playing when I was about five or six uh, up at a local club up at home in Yorkshire. Um, And that was with the boys' team. So I played both uh, league and union and football. I did all sports that I could do, as a lot of kids do or should do. Kind of stayed with the boys till I was about 13, uh, 12, 13, played down a year, but then there was like complaints that I was playing down a year and running rings around them and stuff. So for a year, I didn't have a team because um, there was just no women's team. There's loads of league teams um, up there, but no union teams, and I kind of preferred union because I didn't get the ball on the, on the sixth tackle. I got it a little bit more mm. often than that. Yeah, and then... Played football for that year and then my mum basically found out that there was some county trials. So I went to the county trials and made up the team that I didn't obviously didn't play for a team at that point. And they asked me what club I'd played for. So I just made up a team on the spot, uh, went to the trial, was successful. And then they said, look, we know you're not playing for a team. Uh, this is the team that you should go for and ended up then just playing for another local side. Then from county, I went to divisional, like the, just the normal pathway, really. Um, but when I was 16, I decided to move down to Hartbury College, which is about three and a half hours away, four hours away, which obviously is a massive commitment for a kid. I mean, at the time, I was like, Mum, let me go. <laughs> like, what is the big problem? But it's probably a bigger commitment to my parents. And, you know, it's a, it's a young age to say, buy and be independent but I'm grateful that they like let me do it because a year well my first year of college I was in and out of England development side but I was too young to do the contacts and stuff and then in my second year I got capped for the 15 side so I just turned 18 um, when I got my first cap which was pretty cool and there was a, a little group of us that I'd played Age, oh, they were the age group above me, like Jess Breach and Abby Dow and Hannah Bottom. And like, there was a good core group of us that all came in at the same time. Played the year there. And then I was offered either the 15s contract or the 7s contract. Because at that point, there was no contracts. It wasn't professional. I remember being sat in a, a room and we were all like, I wasn't arguing because I'd never been in a meeting before. I actually turned up no no, no pen and paper, no idea what I was doing. Everyone was like, are you not going to make notes? I was like, yeah, no, it's all going up here. Um, and the the discussion was around how much we're going to get paid per match. And actually, are we going to have to, like some of the girls are going to have to get that money and give it straight back to their employers because they're missing work and stuff. And I was just sat there as a kid thinking, I'm going to be rolling in money. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to come back and I'm going to be the talk of the town. It was me asking me for drinks. And yeah, I was just sat there thinking, oh, I'm buzzing. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, it went professional the year after and I decided to take the sevens contract because I wanted to go to the Olympics. And one of the reasons that I did that was 
because I don't ever want to gain experience just through years. I think experience comes through like the tournaments that you're in, the heartbreak, the wins, whatever it is. And I remember in that first year of playing 15s, there was a couple games I didn't get selected because of experience. And I just thought, I don't want to get to the end of my career, i.e. like 30, 30, 31, 32, then be like, oh, well, I'm now getting selected for games because I'm experienced, but I'm not the player that I was when I was 21, 22, 23. Um, so yeah, I took the 7s contract, put my head down for the Olympics, was injured for quite a bit that time. I, mean, I didn't really train properly. I wasn't in the gym massively growing up because I was fast than everyone else and yeah I could run rings around them so I didn't see that as important I learned the lesson and yeah did the two years there we qualified for the Olympics which we'll get on to another point but it's just the most amazing story and then Covid hit so we all we all got made redundant um, and then I took a 15s contract and I've been there since, been to the World Cup. Sadly, I had to watch the Olympics happen from a different point of view, but I want to be part of it again at some point. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we are now. And now the World Cup's another, like just under, under two and a half years, I think they were saying this morning in the call, and I thought, such a short cycle. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Wow. Pretty much, yeah. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. I mean, that was probably the quickest time that I've ever told that story. That was good. You speak really well. Not to sound, oh, (laughs) I expected you not to speak well. I've got plenty of practice because I never show up. Well, that's great. (laughs) But this is perfect. This is what a podcast should be. You talking, me listening, and then jumping in on things. Let's jump straight into the Olympics. You mentioned that I'm not aware of what happened at the Olympics. So the qualifications. So basically, um, how it works in sevens, so you have to place top four. Uh, to be like the automatic qualification for the Olympics. And we didn't make top four. Um, so you've got to go to what's called the repertoire. No, not the repertoire. We have to go to the Europeans, where if you place first, then you qualify. But if you don't, I think it's second and third go to the repertoire two weeks before the Olympics start. France hadn't qualified. Russia hadn't qualified at this point. So we're all there. And we had lost quite a few get well lost most of the games against France throughout the season and the season before Russia's always in and out of either beating them or beating them on day one losing them day two in the quarters and stuff so we knew it was going to be really hard and it almost felt like because it was in Russia as well and it felt like the whole like country was against us um you know we the hotel that we stayed in me and my roomie went into our room there was only one bed and we're like well are we going to be sharing a bed like this is crazy um so they ended up bringing like um a sofa that was like a sofa bed out the food in russia i mean is questionable i just remember one time going down to breakfast and thinking oh there's some porridge and it was broth and it was just yeah it was just what bit of russia was it I think it might have been Kazan. I mean, I, we could, you could tell me a million names. All I, I, know I, think was it was, I think I think it was Kazan. I'm not. I can't actually really remember. But, but it was proper Russia. Proper Russia. Yeah, proper Russia. You, know, you walk around. I could just sit there and look at people, just because it's just such a different culture, mm. and it's almost like you can tell someone's from that part of the world just by what they dress. And I find it really interesting. Um, Were they but, happy? Or not? Or did they look miserable and angry? That's again. Sorry, not that we're going to have <coughs> loads of Russian fans, but when you're uh, looking yeah. at people, how are they looking? They're looking like hard, straight, straight face. faced, straight yeah. face. Yeah, and you kind of like you know, like in England, like you give a little smart nothing, mm. <laughs> and you feel you feel so awkward because like, and they're just 
yeah, deadpan. So yeah, you could play a few games with that, couldn't you? As mm. you're walking past, yeah, see you, what you can get. Were you there with? Is, was it England or GB? Excuse it was England my, at the in, point because yeah. I know that there's been like some changes, haven't there? Like yeah, GB, recently. and then now it's England, Scotland in the men's, yeah, yeah, as yeah. well that I've seen. Yeah, so it was England at the time. So we needed to win, and in our group we had Russia. So day one we won all of our games, and there was a really hard game against Russia, I think, but we won. We worked out that we're going to have France in the semis. So if we lose that game, we're not even first or second. Uh, we're not second or third. Or we had a chance to be second or third. I think we had Ireland, then France, then whoever it would be in the final. Ireland, we knew we were going to be hard, but we managed to beat them. And that's why they didn't end up like winning the, or even being in the top three. And then we had yeah France in the semis and... Even when we were warming up in this big dome, we found a camera in the corner. So someone, don't know what team, was recording us train, which was... The Russians. Yeah, my crazy, something like that. And yeah, then we played that game and that was probably, like, that was the final for us. It was just incredible. I mean, it went to the last play where the whole team was in a ruck and we had one of our less confident passers passing it back to one of the girls at five metres from the try line to kick it out. Like, it was incredible. And I remember being sat on the bench because I'd just come off. The girl next to me was like, I'm like counting down the clock and out loud. And I was just like, oh God, it's like goosebumps now talking about it. But yeah, we ended up winning that game and we celebrated as if, as if we'd won. And then we had France and uh, Russia in the final. And my mum my mom was in the crowd. She was probably one of the English people in the crowd. And they opened up the doors and it was like soldiers, schools. It was just a massive crowd of Russians all came in. So it was like everyone against us. But yeah, we ended up winning that game and qualifying for the Olympics. And that was probably the first time that I'd properly felt like what it feels like to be like in a, a team. Even though I've been in plenty of teams, like in a team all so desperate, passionate, like we were all sending like little notes under under the doors to each other, and yeah, it was just a really really cool like moment to be part of, and then something that I definitely hold like close to me because that's now the standard of what a team should be. What a class experience, though. Maybe when you're in it and mm. you walk into the room and there's like a shitty bed there and there's no mm. other bed, and mm. at the time you're thinking, what is this? But as a young woman, young it's girl, cool. yeah, in that situation, I, know, I was like nineteen. I was yeah, young, nineteen. You know, and you think right if you're a parent. Um, my little girl's in the middle of Russia somewhere I know. playing rugby. I know, like, crazy. That's great. It makes it all worth it. Like I said, moving away from home, I always think to myself, like, if I'm going to be away from mum and dad, away from my brother, away from my friends, how am I going to make it something that I look back on the thing? It was worth it. And I can tell that story over and over again and still get goosebumps the way I've just done. Then that's, that means I'm doing it for the right reason, definitely. The women's game is definitely growing. I was chatting to Emma... Wassel, mm -hmm. I said the Wassel, wrong name. Yeah. I said Wassel. I was Wazel, Wassel. <laughs> same, same. Cool, cool name. <laughs> and we've had her on the rugby pod before and loose conversations with Sarah Bonner as well. Yeah. well I've done a couple of activations up there. There feels like there is organic mm. and a real kind of natural evolution in the women's game. Like I would love to see the sevens grow. I think there's a huge opportunity for women in that space. But the 15s is where the powers that be, and maybe it's the money in it, the commerciality around it, the Six Nations, the World Cup, there's talk of the Lions stuff that we can chat about as well. As a player, are you feeling like it's going from strength to strength? Surely when you're in that World Cup final, sorry to bring that up, 
It was a sellout. I don't know how many people watched it, but I know a load of people that watched it. Yeah, I mean, I can't even remember the figures, but I know that it was it was well over a million people watching it back here in in the UK. And I mean, that was at like six in the morning. But yeah, yeah, sellout of Eden Park. I remember just walking out, and first thing I said to myself was, "Wow, it feels like a football game." To then know that. 95% were against us mm. at that moment and when the hacker went on that was just yeah it was incredible you kind of had to I didn't feel fear I just was overwhelmed by like, like this is this is it now like this is how it should be um it's what you dream of yeah mm. 100% that's what I mean I was just sat there thinking the hell we've just sold out Eden Park and it's not just you see people say sell out and then you come and there's still empty seats it was rammed mm. it was rammed it was loud honestly when we when we stood in front of the hacker and we how we did it for people that have not seen it we like spread out across the pitch so before like play like you play against them you kind of have a bit of a group chat and how how you're gonna like go against it and stuff so we played them twice in the autumns First time we stood there and we just said, we're going to stare them out. We're not going to be the first pe- like, pe- people to move. We'll just sit, well, we'll just stand there and just wait for them to move. And it got to like a moment of awkwardness because like, they're not going to move. We're not going to move. And there's also broadcasting going on, so they're going to keep us going. And they ended up moving first. And, you know, some of the girls were going, don't move, don't move. It was really cool. And then we played them the week after and we decided that as soon as they finish, straight in. We're not gonna like try out stare them or anything, which we actually ended up doing a bit too early, like a beat too early, and we all kind of came in thinking, oh shit. <laughs> so yeah, we came in, um, and then when it came to the World Cup, we we said, well, we're gonna spread across the pitch, however big the spaces need to be, because you know when you go into like an old building and the the pictures on the wall, the old pictures, wherever you're standing, it feels like they're looking at you. Mm. So when you're coming against the hacker, that's literally how it feels. Like, and I, when I faced it in the autumns, I stood there thinking, "Oh, they're all coming for me. They're mm. all they're all looking at me. It's not just one person. They're all looking at me. Oh, uh, they were looking at you. Yeah, they but were. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna come for me. Anyway, so we spread out. So they all had to turn their heads. So not one person could focus on another person. Everyone was doing things different. I mean. I was right in the sunlight, so I actually couldn't see them anyway. I was going, ah, I can't see them anyway, can't see them anyway, because I was being blinded. But we faced it like that, and it was that was really cool as well, because um, I just remember looking down the line and thinking, we've got this. Like, Despite everybody in the crowd, the 40-odd thousand that are here, we've got this. We, we're, like, we're confident, we've put all the work in, and we, I know that everybody else in, on my team feels the exact same as I do. So, yeah, it was a special. And in terms of like your question around the momentum and the like being it being organic, and when that final whistle went, straight away I just felt oh, like this was going to be it. I kind of thought in my head it'd be a little bit like the women's football, like they win the Euros, and then it was like it blew up. And I thought, we need to win to do that. But the best thing about that final was that didn't need to happen. Like, I think maybe the loss created that. The way that the final went the way it was with the red card, with the way that it was all back and forth, how we lost it in the last play, in a line-out that we scored the majority of our tries from, that is what created people saying that was one of the best rugby games I've ever seen, men and women. And it was a story. And... It was only until I got home that I realised that that was the case. But yeah, at the time I just thought that was our opportunity. 
to grow it, to make it blow up and we've missed it and we're going to have to wait. And I actually went to the change rooms. I thought, I'm ready to play again. I want to, I want mm. to go back out as if it's a rematch, go again. But it's it, the momentum that we've seen since. I mean, I think they've sold like nearly 40,000 tickets for the France match at Twickenham, which... Is, is crazy so I think the one and that's 29th of April like, that's ages away still so yeah big things are coming with it and I think everything's going in the right way to make that happen definitely yeah well the drama in that final you're absolutely right because when I've watched you ladies play it's everything's quite comfortable mm. you were the first team to go professional yeah. and there was no real competition and the lead up to the World Cup it's like well England are going to win it it was Canada right that you played we played Canada in the, the semi yeah and they, they gave you they a, were that was good that's like, what I mean like, that was a that was a big challenge. I mean, we knew they were physical girls and they're really, really athletic. Farmers. Uh, something like that. I mean, I don't know what they feed them out there, but they're all They really all chop tall. wood, don't they? That's why. <laughs> but that's stereo. I'm stereo. I've got a few Canadian mates, so I'm just stereotyping. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't, honestly, them and the Americans, don't know where they find them from, but these girls are tall. Like, I thought, I'm quite tall. And, you know, you stand there and you just think, mm, right, okay. <laughs> You've yeah. got a couple of feet on me still. But, um, yeah, the, the game against Canada was... Yeah, it was down to, I think it was only one try in it, one or two, mm. two tries in it, which it's not that we didn't expect that, but they definitely came firing for that game massively. Yeah, well, that's where the growth is. So you go to the final, loads happened, and there's a part of this where pe- you know, people don't like drama. I love drama. I love drama. I love drama. Yeah. That's the way we grow the mm. game. That's what everyone talks about. Had George Groves in here, he didn't want to talk about the boxing match between Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. It was a crap fight, but the drama in the lead-up. Yeah. And rugby needs the same thing. So it's I mean, entertainment, right? That's literally how I see it. And, you know, as much as everyone wants to be the like, be the team that wins all the time and everyone wants to watch the team that wins all the time, I don't think if we lost that final, we would have sold as many tickets as we have done for the France game. Mm. Because now we're beatable. So it's not like, oh... Yeah, we could go watch England, but they're going to walk all over them or whatever. We're now a beatable team. We had a very great run of wins, which everyone talks about, but honestly, none of us cared about it. Yes, it's really cool, but it doesn't mean anything because as soon as you lose it, it starts again. So we're now back to zero, zero win streak, and hopefully we can we can carry on making a big win streak again. But yeah, I think that is what helped the game just shoot up because now we come against France and you know when we played them in the pool we only won by one try so that we, people are knowing coming to that match you don't know who's going to win so yeah it's um drama's good yeah and everyone wants to beat England as well like we've seen that anyone you speak to I know I mean Scottish till I die I'm, I'm, a, I'm a quarter <laughs> English I'm a quarter English I do I, I like England as well but we were talking just before we went live about Twickenham and mm. your experiences as a fan going to watch the men's game and me saying when you look at the women's game it's all families there's a completely mm. different buzz to it just some thoughts around as being a rugby fan being at Twickenham because it is very topical at the minute that experience there in Wales very similar as well yeah but there's Twickenham I mean Twickenham's always been a weird stadium anyway yeah but there's been this I wouldn't say a horrible shift it's become more obvious it's glaringly obvious that something's not right there the energy isn't right there and you look to the women's game where it is a family Mm. occasion Mm. I don't know what that is I'm not a psychologist or Mm. you know a person that understands people and 
mass yeah. fan events, but there's definitely something not right. Yeah, I know. I mean, I went to the um, All Blacks game against um, England when they were playing the, a few months ago, whenever it was. That's a, That was like the first time I'd come uh, to a men's match since being at the World Cup. And I remember, well, firstly, when everyone started singing over the national, uh, over the national anthem, over the hacker, I was like trying to get people to quiet down because it, it's a sign of respect. And I learned that when I was out there in New Zealand because when we played against Canada and we were walking around for the warm up and stuff, there was a man who was like pointing us doing the hacker, and I thought, oh, he's being really aggressive to us. Like, why is he doing that? He's not. We're not doing anything wrong. But then. When I asked our liaison officer and stuff, it, they said, well, it's a sign of respect. Yeah. And at that point, I thought, I, I saw it completely different. I didn't see, yes, the hackers, like, it's advantageous, advantageous for them. But I then started seeing it. It's not anything to get one up on us. They're showing respect to us. So when, when I went to the Twickenham match and everyone started singing. What were they singing? I think it was don't, don't say Swing, swing Low. low. Don't I think it was God. Swing Low. I know, Banter. I know. And I was going, I was going, stop, stop. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. And for me, at that point, I just thought, it just spoils it. Imagine going as a kid and you think, I really want to see the hacker. I really want to hear the hacker. And all you can hear is people singing Swing Low over the top of it. You're ruining the moment. You're ruining it. Um, And then, obviously, England didn't do very well. And honestly, the atmosphere was dead. I, I sat there and I thought, okay, so these tickets are so expensive. To watch a women's game, it's £15 to go to Twickenham. It's like crazy cheap like it was more expensive getting here on the train than it would be to go watch an international side play rugby and play good rugby as well and I thought okay so why do people come and spend so much money to come to a rugby match you either come because they're a winning team and you like seeing them win because everyone likes that but if if they're not winning you go for the atmosphere and it's a good day out and I thought they're doing neither Mm. not only is it they're losing but also the atmosphere is dead it's almost like, oh, I'm going to lose, and so we're just going to drink. And it's not, there's not music on, there's not people laughing and joking. It's just a shift, and it's a weird shift. And I kept thinking, you know what? If 80%, forget 80, if 50% of the people in this stadium right now wasn't weren't so stubborn around, oh, we don't, women shouldn't play rugby or anything like that, they would have s- such a better time coming to watch the women play against the All Blacks if and when that happens when we get to the next World Cup at Twickenham because not only is the... I'm not going to say the rugby is better, but it, is, it, it was going to be a closer... It would be a closer match than what that game was. But also the atmosphere is so different. You've got families, you've got like kids enjoying it, but you've also got people that are really passionate about rugby, not about boozing. Yes, there's people that do that, but not about boozing and the corporate like businessmen just all meeting before having tweed jackets boat shoes yeah and then and then going so much and I sit there and the best thing that I do about that when I'm in that moment I'm thinking okay the rugby's not great blah 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 I'm listening to conversations and it's hilarious listening to these men talk about the game as if they're Eddie Jones' best mate. And I think, you've got no idea. No yeah. idea. And I've got to hold myself back from saying, actually, what you're saying is wrong. But yeah, I just sit there and listen and chip into a little conversation here, a little conversation there. And yeah, it's, it, there is a bit of a shift. Um, yeah, something needed to to change. And maybe it is the, the coaching staff that now are going to make that change and make it a little bit more 
like enjoyable to to be there, especially as like a rugby fan as opposed to an event fan. Maybe we'll see. Maybe I don't know. I'm not convinced yet. They just seem like they've got no confidence. Women shouldn't play rugby. How many times have you heard that or felt that? Uh, loads, all all the time. Even now, I mean, there's massive positives with the like the game progressing and stuff. I saw something on on Instagram the other day. They had quite a few followers. It was like a, a rugby meme, not even a meme page, but just like a rugby page that posts loads of bits out. And they put a meme up, and the the thing at the top was uh, women's rugby should um, should be professional or something like that in the quotations. And then it was a clip of this dire rugby match, which is probably a uni side somewhere who have only just been put together, and the ball was like. It was it was awful, but you see the same thing the same things happening in the men's gra- grassroots. Like it's grassroots rugby. Yeah, it's not it's not professional rugby. Was it the video, the where and I've seen it. Someone sent me and it was hilarious. Someone's gone to kick the ball out and it's kicked the woman in the face. Uh, something like that. It. And then yeah. they it like it like dribbles, dribbles, dribbles. People are still trying to pick it up. And oh it's no, getting through yeah. But that's it. and you get them in football like, yeah. on the women's one. Yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. I've seen some of them before that have been sent. But you're right. It's like people drawing out. Yeah. Like one moment. One which, moment exactly. Which happens exactly. And I read the comments because I was interested to what people were going to say about it. And I was surprised that actually quite a few people were saying, I have some respect, I'm going to unfold this page now. You've picked out one moment, like why are you showing the lowest of the low team to try highlight the women's game generally when that's not the case? Yeah. But then you also then had like people saying that women shouldn't play rugby, this is why women shouldn't play rugby, like stick to the kitchen. Like, there's so many oh, things that you stick see. Stick to and the it's, kitchen. It's so old-fashioned. And I just think, I've, I've had it, there was a troll on um, Twitter once that he just wouldn't stop, mess- not messaging me, like putting it on his Twitter feed and atting me. Like just a load of rubbish, and my mum, my mum was getting really riled up about it. And I was like, she was like, "Don't say anything, don't say anything." And I can't remember what he'd, he'd said something about about not just my game but the women's game, and mentioned me and stuff. And I, I tweeted back saying something like, "Sorry, uh, sorry, I missed all of these these tweets." Because it was like six in a day, uh, being out um, training all days as it's my full time job. But I'm back now, and after I finish analysing for the England game in the weekend, I'm I'm ready to sit here and read. But you might be you might be busy playing rugby, so if you fancy a one on one at some point, I'm down for it. <laughs> and within half an hour, my mum was like, "Delete it now before anybody sees it." And I why you shouldn't delete it? I know I ended up deleting because I thought I oh, don't don't let anything like I don't want to be seen. I know and now maybe it'd be different. I was a little bit younger. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you see you see it all the time. It's something that needs to change and yes the women's game is is similar to the men's game but the men's game also similar to the women's game we're just not as big and not as fast so you can't expect the same speed to be happening you can't expect the same length of passes to be happening because we're girls so there's a genetic element to it yeah and someone said to me well it was again it was someone on twitter like that i think that i'm so good but i wouldn't even make the uni side for the boys team and i thought no shit, because someone could run over the top of me. Yeah, I the of course I wouldn't make the. That's that a ridiculous thing to even talk about. I remember Danielle Waterman Nolly mm. when she was coming back from injury. Mm. We were in Hong Kong, and she was telling me that when she was coming back, she went to train with the uni team, and she was doing one on one with the blokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and they were fucking monster in it, she said. Yeah. And yeah. it was like, it becomes dangerous. I think using that on a more extreme level in UFC, like a man fighting a woman. Yeah, exactly. And years ago when I watched it, the UFC initially, and I love UFC, I was like, what, two women are going to get in the ring? Mm. And then you watch Ronda Rousey mm. and Amanda Nunes, and you're like, man, this is Holly Holmes yeah, when she yeah, head kicked yeah. uh, Ronda Rousey to win the belt. I was like, holy shit, yeah, yeah. this is crazy. And I think the slow burner in rugby has been because it's new yeah. for the women's game. Yeah. And then you look forward to that final. And I didn't really know what to expect. I'd seen snippets coming mm. through. And I was genuinely, I was like, high speed, yeah. drama, big collisions, high tackles, jeopardy, yeah. energy in the stadium. And I think it's a societal shift. Oh, that's yeah, that's what what I think. That's what I think. And some people, because I don't talk about it as much. My life's consumed by men's rugby. That's yeah. how I commentate at the weekend. I'm having to, you know, it's my job. I do yeah. the podcast on a Monday. There's a sense of responsibility and chatting to really cool people like yourself. But also, I've got girls at home. Like I've got two girls and my wife. My wife mm. plays sport, so it's not as if it's like oh. You know, women can't do this. Women. I know. My wife is the most important person in the house, bar none. In the house, out the house. Yeah. Like, as in, there's no more powerful person in the Hamilton household yeah, yeah, than yeah. the women. But I think it is just, you can't go based on social media. I think once, once you get to a level, you know, people will be looking, right? So if you're playing the World Cup at 15, your big hair's going like you're looking a million dollars. Men will be at home sat. Not in their kitchen, they're probably getting takeaways. Sat yeah. there, big bellies out, on there, just jealous. I know, and I, I think that is like, I think it's been, I don't see it necessarily as a, I'm doing my dissertation, so I go to uni, right, and I'm doing my dissertation on Instagram and how Instagram impacts women, like elite women in a male-dominated sport, i.e. rugby, but I'm making it more general. And it's just so interesting because I know that, ultimately you look at what's like popular in america and it's like lingerie football and stuff and people go in there to watch the football they go in there to watch the the women in barely anything and then it's almost like how i i think at the moment we just want bums on seats because as well you look you look at a game and it's different internationally but especially at club level there's only one camera. There's no like slow mos. There's no other angles. There's no TMO. It's one camera at the top, so you can't appreciate the impacts that that are happening. You can't appreciate like the the change of direction that goes on to score a try. So I think that's something else that needs to change. Bring more camera angles because it's entertainment. Like we like we said, it's an entertainment piece, and people then can start enjoying it a little bit more because you feel like you're there. And if you can't feel like you're there, you need to go and sit and watch it because even if you you just go in because you like the look of one of the girls if you go and then you think actually the rugby's all right you then are there watching the rugby as well so there needs to be that shift massively because I try and encourage as many people to just just come to one game like especially if you've got like girls in the family but the coolest thing is Imagine like a little boy saying that they want to be. I, I I went to someone in the in the crowd, and this little boy said that he wanted to be me when he's older. And I thought that's it's wicked, and that's like the the shift that will happen and is happening. It's it's a different experience. Like yeah. we stay after the match. I think we stay out on pitch for another hour and a half. 
making sure we have contact with every single person. I, I, I find it really, really important to do that. And I'm always the last person out that someone has to drag in. We're making sure I see everybody because it might be nothing to me and, oh, nice to see you and stuff. But if I can have that impact on that one person, doesn't matter the age or gender, and they come away thinking, wow, I, that, I'm going to do this because Ellie said to do it or I had this contact with Ellie, they'll remember it for a long time. So in that seat there, I had Jay Younger from Love Island. And the first thing he said, he said, when I was 13, you came to my school and you were chatting to all the guys, talking about tackling. He said, I always remember it. So when I think about rugby, I think about that moment. Yeah. And it is them things that you don't at the time think are that important. Mm. But the human element to it is is massive. And I think in the men's game, we're, we're losing that. Yeah. Because the lads think they're rock stars now and maybe they're told by their agencies or the hysteria around it. That's always what rugby was, was like you you were close to the athlete. It was athletes being massive people Mm. who were doing incredible things in the contact and in a dangerous sport, but yet you were so personable and and we're losing that. I suppose with the, like what you're talking about, accelerating the women's game, like the entertainment factor, more money in the game, that is just going to have a knock-on effect to make the women's game quicker, to have more athletes if we call it that like players like yourself where it becomes so professional it's there for all to see you look at tennis you look at the games and the sports that are accelerated by money and full-time professionals football like when you watch the football the euros i couldn't believe some of the tackling that was going in and tennis you know me and the family will watch tennis when athletics is on yeah I think people are drawn whether or not it's women's or men by speed athleticism and there's a part of, like, oh, I could potentially do it. Well, could I do that? Couldn't I do yeah. that? And that's the money thing. And that brings me on to the next thing because topical stuff at the minute is around is around the Lions and a women's yeah. Lions team, British and Irish Lions team. I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to say anything, but I'm like, why don't you get every... It'd be great and you you could have a completely different opinion. But my opinion is, is, well, if you've got money to do that, why don't you just pile all that money in to making... England making the other unions, the Premier 15, which I know has struggled for sponsors and stuff like that, and use all that money and investment and commerciality and brains and business in getting that model right, getting the next World Cup right, and actually seeing the next cycle where you've got the unions that are all performing, because it's not just England that are going to be imported Mm. into that. It's going to be Scotland, Wales, and obviously Ireland. As a player, it might be different for you because you might have the opportunity to do it now and not be bothered about waiting for eight years I'd like to wait I'd like to mm. wait I think you look at the the men's Lions and what it means to be part of that Lions team is huge and it's not that that wouldn't mean that now but we keep talking in the in camp about like growing the gap and we used to like this England here the rest of the world here after the World Cup because more teams are professional now the gap's closed and with more years to come, that's going to close and close and close even closer. So I don't want to, I wouldn't want to go. And the majority of the team would probably be English. So would the pride of being in that Lions squad be as big when we've been professional for X amount of years and the other teams have been professional for one, two years? It wouldn't be fair because it would be the majority of the English yeah. playing. So give that a few more years and then it's a competitive, like it could be at fullback, 
four different people, three different people that could be playing there. And if you do get selected, it's that, wow, I've really made the Lions team rather than it being, well, we are number one in the world and we do, we are professionals. So really we should be picked because we've been professional for a lot longer than the other girls. And it's not that they're not as good, but it's more like we've been professional for longer. So yeah, I I agree with you in terms of like leaving it a few years. I think it'd be great to obviously do it and play against some more, especially like the Southern Hemisphere teams, because that's like it's great playing against France and all the other teams. But we play them every Six Nations, so with the opportunity to go somewhere further overseas and to well, we know New Zealand are good. I know, that. and playing against them, honestly, it's like you don't come across things like that. With be it the ability to spin the ball all the way to the edge with someone on the edge who really is strong enough to play in the forwards is different to like any of the other any of the other um teams out there and we've got a couple of Australians that play for Quinns now and they're just built differently yeah. like honestly one of the girls I felt her wrist and it felt like my calf mm. and her calves felt like my torso like they're just built differently but then that I mean that final has made us relook at how we play our game and that's both in defense and attack because we need to practice coming against teams that like play to width rather than it just be like all through the middle, rely on the forwards, rely on the forwards. So with the Lions coming in, then you probably get the opportunity to do that as well. But yeah, I'd leave it a few years, let it develop, let the women's game grow as it is and then say, right, okay, it's, it's grown now. Let's do this and let's go at this 100%. But, but yeah. otherwise it's going to be like what's happened with the men's game. Yeah, like, that, there's that, too much going on. I can't put that on Twitter though, but I'll put it out on the podcast so people get a bit of context. You know, if you put that straight line out, it's like I just best not say anything <laughs> but or have an opinion. Like who are you to have an opinion on that? So the fact that I'm with you to have an opinion on that, that's great. A change of coach, Simon Middleton yeah. is leaving. My mate, Lewis Deacon, who I played with, I don't know what it's like in the environment, but he is one of the hardest blokes ever. Is he? I know he got sat down on the bag. I did see it go viral <laughs> on social media. Yeah, <laughs> one of the hardest blokes is ever. He? So his brother is my best mate, Brett, and there's like a hierarchy. So you've got Big Deeks, who's Paul Deacon, Lewis and Brett, and obviously his dad's the hardest, then Lewis, then Brett. Absolutely nails. So I see him as he's really softly spoken. He speaks... Only when he's asked to be spoken, really. He's quiet, isn't he? <laughs> he is very quiet. But I said to the girls, and the girls in the four was laughed at me when I said it. One of my things was, I just want to make him proud because he doesn't speak a lot and he's also a forwards coach. And a big thing about my game that I've tried to get better at is the contact side of it and the strength. Because I'm not the biggest girl on the pitch. I'm tall, but like in terms of like strength-wise, I've never been seen as one of the strong girls. I mean, I wear shoulder pads and get the, the piss taken out of me for wearing shoulder pads. But um, yeah, I was really like, oh, I just want to make him proud. And I saw him as that like soft... Wow. I know, yeah. I'm going to go to him after this and say, yeah. I've, been, I've been hearing some stuff here. So. Yeah, he loves it as well. Mm. Like, he absolutely loves it. And you know what? There'd be a load of men's teams that would want him in. I know he got approached by Leicester. Yeah. So it's he's, great. He's great. He is, like, I said, like, to my friend the other day, said that I think that is something that's really changed, like, us and as a squad having someone in from the men's game with a different perspective but isn't so this is what the men's do this is what the women's should do 
it's more he's here to evolve and he's got daughters and his daughters always come to the games they made us all bracelets oh, like yeah. you get messages on instagram for them from them so you really feel like almost like part of his little family you know how much it means to the family so then part of you thinks i want to do them proud as well so yeah that's interesting that's great because he's an alpha really yeah he's an alpha male <gasps> so yeah interesting. which is i mean but he is quiet so he has that kind of yeah you wouldn't wouldn't really know so i'm going to share that with you so you can go back to him <laughs> one of the artists we've ever done it so on that having lewis deacon scott beeman as well who i played with at leicester shredded Mm. The leanest man, ever. maybe know, the leanest human ever. Is is veins. Yeah. It's, it's, I small think, head. Small yeah. head. Small <laughs> head, but absolutely shredded. Yeah, no, like, it, literally, he, he gets a pump on from doing something on the board. Yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely ripped, but. Yeah. But there's talk now, again, never going to say anything, but I'm interested to see how, as a woman's player, the talk of having a women's coaching. So if you're. England, you don't win the World Cup. It's all about winning the Six Nations World Cup and winning. The talk of having a woman's coach in there, if there isn't one, okay, that isn't as good as, I don't know, say they want to promote Lewis Deacon or promote a Richard Blaze to come in or a Lee Blackett or, you know, a coach, a Wayne Pivak, or a man that's that could be better at the job. Mm. How important is it to have a woman I think it's there? massively important. Okay. Girls are complicated, Girls are really complicated, I know. like really complicated. And I think there's a lot, not that men aren't like this, but there's a lot of emotion, a lot in, in training, in day-to-day, in matches. There's so much emotion that you can't just, you know, have a fist fight and then move on or say it out loud. It's a lot of chit-chat here and there. And I think it's important on that, like, emotional, like, side to have a female there that you can also feel like you can talk to. Yeah, I think that we do need... A female somewhere. Is there, is there not a female in in the group? Mm, there's physios. Oh, it's not the same though. Is no, it? we've got a couple of physios. Um, our media is is a woman too, but we did have um, Amy Turner in a couple of years ago. They did like this. Um, I don't know. I can't remember the actual rule of it, but it was something World Rugby brought in around. You've got to have a, a woman in the setup so that they, that they can develop as a coach and they're experienced to international rugby without having to go through all the sets first. Because the male coaches that have already done coaching men's teams, coaching international, will always better what the the women can do because they haven't been experienced to the international side. Um, so yeah, we had Amy Turner in. Uh, for a little while, but she's now the Quinn's coach. Um, but since then, we haven't had anyone in really. Well, it doesn't need to be a a rugby mm. coach. You could, just someone that's there and like, that's experienced in women's sport and all them things. Yeah, I, I suppose it's a glaringly obvious thing. So excuse me, but yeah, it's the emotional side to it and everything yeah. that goes with being a woman. Yeah, and so, also feeling like you can, you can. T- <laughs> I love the coaches. I love the coaches, but they are very straight talking men, and it's this way and sometimes you think oh I wish I could just like like I can find myself thinking oh I'm getting worked up here but they won't see it like that especially mids it's a hard Yorkshireman and I'm used to it because I've grown up around Yorkshiremen so I get on with him but there's times that you know you'd like just someone in there that 
can you see your side of it? Who also has that rugby brain? So when Amy Turner was in, I had a little chat here just so that you can get her reflection on it when you're not so in the moment of playing is something that is, yeah, super important. And it will grow the game massively. You know, the to be able to have female coaches coaching at an international level, that's when the, the steps start being made uh, to grow that side of the game as the coaching side. A tough topic to talk about, but very topical. Mm is around concussion. So where the men's game fell short, and we know that they've fallen short, is the initial studies that were going on. Mm. We've seen what's happened now and the issues that are having to be resolved now, which can't be resolved because if you've taken damage, it's unresolvable, as it were. So interestingly, this morning, coming Mm. over to the interview, it popped up and timing was good because chatting to you about it was around the concussion in the women's game. And the headline was, World Rugby Except Females Are More Susceptible to Concussions. And then you read through, and there's obviously conflicting conversations around that and intel about the game with the women not being as quick, so therefore the collisions aren't as high. Again, it's a subject I've got no I can't even talk about in the men's game. I've Mm. had people in here, Dr Bill Ribbons, who's heading up the concussion stuff for men. Another headline, evidence is there. So why are women not being warned around concussion? Rugby in the women's game is relatively young as well. Mm. Is there stuff in place? Are you testing? Is there? Just give us an idea of what's happening. Yeah, so we, uh, it's a new thing. Um, Well, since the World Cup, so we've got these gum shields that have got like GPSs built in them. Like Danny Kerr's talking about the same. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it'll be the same. And um, they've got the GPS in and they measure like the head momentum every time you go into a contact, how quickly your head moved, if you're hitting the floor, the force that it hit the floor with. And you've got to wear that all the time. And that's purely so that there's research there to back up what has ever been said. I haven't read the newspaper, but... Yeah, I don't. (laughs) I don't really read the newspaper (laughs) anyway, but um, yeah, to back that up or to go against it or how if someone does get concussed, you can look back at the data, see exactly when it was, what force it was, and then how to better it. But I've honestly, I, I think I've since been in... It's been under like you can understand concussions. You do your HIAs, you you do your scat test. Everything is like we do enough modules on it to understand it. I guess the question would be: Is that happening further down the line at grassroots? I don't know. Yeah. I, I I have no idea because uh, I know that we do it, but we're also a professional outfit. So is that the same further down the line when, you know, it is like tackles where you've been spun around and landing literally like like you're in a headstand. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I think that we're learning, like, we're learning enough. I've actually touched wood. I've never been concussed. Mm. So I don't know whether women would be more susceptible to concussion than men because even though the speed isn't there like men are getting bigger and bigger and the forces that you get hit with and hit the floor with are probably well they'd be bigger than the women especially yeah um and yeah it, it doesn't seem like something that i've ever thought of like we need more information on it i mean there was a couple in the in the world cup that i thought they need to be taken off here um but yeah no it's um it's on. Like, everyone's on it. The doctors. We've got people coming in all the time. We had people in uh, yesterday in training doing 
neck strength tests and in the gym we do a lot around like neck strength so that the concussion isn't something that's going to be the first thing that happens if you do hit the floor like you've got the stability which is I guess the move on from the game because a couple of years ago we wouldn't have done that we wouldn't have been in the gym doing neck and you look like an idiot with a band around your head like pulling yeah. into the side but and you think maybe forwards are doing that for the scrum but yeah as, as backs it's li- it was literally in my programme yesterday and it's only to reduce the impact of the concussion really yeah the neck strength so it's really interesting interesting uh, at the back end of my career with Petra Stupasi who was just finished his job as Australian scrum coach and he was all about neck strength and we both had neck problems from playing but you see now like in all sports like boxing UFC mm. NFL clearly I mean I can't imagine how strong their necks are so for people listening and for women listening who go to the gym and it's all about deadlifts and stuff yeah. now my wife's all into doing that stuff she doesn't need to do neck strength right because she's not <laughs> going to be taking tackles but neck strength's yeah, massive, massive. Yeah. absolutely huge yeah it, it protects you I mean I, at the start I was like oh, no this is stupid but like like I said I've not been concussed I don't want to get concussed and miss games just because of that so if I can do anything to prevent it without wearing a scrum cap because my hair would not look good with a scrum cap on um if it was a Red Bull one, though. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I don't know. I think I'm known for my hair now. So yeah, you are. if I put that on, people would wonder, who the hell is that? Yeah. So, yeah. I do have hair envy, so I've got my cap on today, <laughs> just so people are aware. With the contracts, mm. I'm not too sure. I heard some horror stories where women were getting paid less than minimum wage and you know having to go back to work. You, I think you even just mentioned it earlier, where women were putting money back into the company if they were missing mm. time. Are you happy to speak about it? Can yeah. you be quite open about it? Yeah, I mean, we'll what, find out after this. If yeah, I, well, but I, I think it's important. Because, I think it's yeah. important. I, I always talk openly about it because if it was anything to hide, we'd be getting paid more because it's out there. You, they're not saying don't be t- don't be telling people what you pay. Don't be telling what it is because at the end of the day, like that's how we pay. So there's without, without saying there. names, what 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 would be a highest paid player? professionally and what would be a lowest paid player mm, I think the highest bands uh, so it's different to the men's so you contracted centrally with England and then you've got like your subcontract with your club as opposed to the men's it's how I believe it's so it's centrally with your club and then you get paid per match and stuff with England um, so the top band I think is 35k for okay. England and then it goes down to 27 yeah so it's ABC 35, 33, 27, I think. And you get paid by your club on yeah, top? Yeah, yeah, but that's like, I mean, that's not much. That, mm. that, that's not livable. Like, if you'd, if I wasn't with England, I wouldn't be able to live on my, my club pay at all. Do some girls have to? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the girls that are not professional. So, in the Quinns, like, not in well, any team, like, there's some clubs that don't pay at all, and you're there and you're just playing because you love it. But the majority of the girls are turning up to training in their police gear, their dentist gear. They've just come from the nine to five job. They turn up to training, they do a gym session, they do the training session. And we don't finish till half nine at night. And then we go home and then you start the day again in the morning. Some girls are waking up at five in the morning to go again. And I hats off to them. I would not be able to do that. Mm. But then how do you, like, the argument and the thing that needs to stop is how do you then expect it to ever get towards what the men are like because imagine doing a nine to five being a policeman right and or even earlier probably earlier than that then turning up and having 
like then try put all your energy, the reserves of energy that you've got left into training, getting better in the gym and being stronger and stopping yourself getting injured more importantly but then also getting stronger and faster and fitter so that the game can move on and be that like faster rugby that everybody wants to see how do you do that when when we're not we're not able to put everything I'm I'm not lucky I'm fortunate that I'm in a position where I'm a professional rugby player and I I start training at two o'clock in the afternoon and I finish at half nine at night and yeah, it's it's late nights and stuff, but I then have the opportunity to wake up a little bit later if that's what I need to do and put all my recovery in in the morning so I can train hard the next day. These girls don't get that opportunity. And then, I mean, some of the girls are on like peanuts. It's like 30 years ago, like the men's game was. Mm. 30 years. Mm. Peanuts. One of the girls um, I was talking to the other day said that her boyfriend was offered something like 33K and that was for Doncaster, which is a champ team. And I was like, that's more than international women get playing for England. And it just shows the difference, I guess. Like, it, it, That is the, the balance of how do you make it something that people can live off. I mean, some of the girls get £200 a month playing for a club. And that you can't do anything with that. That's fuel. Some of the girls, it's more, it fuels more, so then they're going into the pocket to play for the, the club. So how do you then better that? So that's why we're pushing. You've got to keep on pushing. And I guess the better we become as players internationally and the more successful we are, the more funding we'll, we'll get into it and the more bums we get on seats, the more funding we get. So I always, everyone knows how it works. If we can sell more tickets, we can get more money. And if we can get more money, you can invest more. We're not stupid. We can't. We're not seeing payers the same as the men, but something needs to change to make that development happen. So you don't have a semi-professional prem that you're picking girls to go internationally from. It needs to all be professional because that is how you grow the gap between the prem and international. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why that, again that just carries on from the Lions chat, doesn't mm, it? The mm. Lions isn't just the team. You're gonna yeah. have to put together a load of management mm. who I imagine are going to be on 40, 50, 60. They might be part time. I don't yeah, know, yeah. but it's a huge investment. So you've heard it here, the powers that be put the yeah. money back into the women's game and their pockets effectively. Yeah, and the thing is, the best thing is, is you'll see change straight away. Like, it's not one of those things that you think, oh, put money in and you're not going to see it for a few years. If you've got a team, a prem team, that then can train like an like a eight till four and you finish training at four, you go to the sauna, you go to the pool, you eat at the right time and you go to bed at nine. You recovered, you wake up in the morning. I'm at the moment not getting back from training till about 11 o'clock at night and then I'm cooking, I'm letting the dog out, and I'm going to sleep around 12, half 12. Because the women are working all day. Well, yeah, so we, we've got to train later yeah. so that everyone can get to training. And like, there's sometimes that girls can't get to training. So on a, on a Monday and Tuesday, we're normally short with numbers because, well, we train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Monday's always short with numbers, but it's because the girls are working. How do you then do 15 on 15? You can't even do 15 on 15 in training at clubs sometimes because there's commitments outside of it that people have got to do. So that's where I always keep thinking, how how does that change? How like? But then the investment needs to be like it needs to be good because you've got girls that work their whole lives to be in the jobs that they're in right now, and if it's not going to be good pay, they're not going to say no because it's not like the men's where you're in an academy from 13 and you know you know the the way that you're going to go, you know the pay that you're going to be getting. 
these girls, some girls don't start rugby till they're 23. I'm 23 now. Some girls don't start till they're 23. So they've got a career set up. Then they come to rugby and then they might go back to the career after. I'm fortunate that all I've known is rugby. So I'm not saying it's a million miles away because everyone always talks about the women's game and, you know, like people having to work as well as, as do that, people having to have two things going at one time. But I like to reflect to say we have got an insight of what it is like. I came out of school and was straight into professional rugby like men would be. So there's elements of it is happening. It's just happening slowly and it needs to be like going on a bigger scale to really make the game like grow. I'd love to be on on pitch training at skills we do like uh two to three we do skills and you've got probably like 14 15 people there because if you're not at, if you're not at work you're at uni and if you're not at either of them you, you, there's some other commitment that you, you haven't been able to get to that's when like the core skills you get better at the kicking the passing the the shapes that we run and everything that's how the game will develop mm. but you can only do so much in a an hour and a half, two hour session in the evening. Yeah, so. absolutely. And there's a bit of glitz and glamour because BBC, ITV and TikTok have done some activations. Mm. Like they need to carry on. TikTok is the new... I know. It's the new BBC or the new ITV. But I think growing personalities, yeah, like you're doing massive. stuff on social media as well. Massive. I, I, I'm a big believer in... You've got to put your personality across because at the end of the day, I do not want to be just known as a rugby player, Ellie the rugby player, because that's gonna that's not gonna go on forever. I'll get to the the end of my career and I'm not gonna be one, wanting to be known as Ellie the ex rugby player either. But also sometimes people don't watch because they're watching rugby. They watch because they feel like they know you. Think of the amount of people that go watching that, I love Joe Marler. How do you know that you love Joe Marler? Because you, you see his personality. Mm. So I think that comes in different forms. That can come from your social media, whether that is TikTok and you're putting things out. I don't really TikTok that much. It feels a little bit forced at the moment. I don't know. I don't really know. Oh, I, it's definitely forced. Yeah. I, I feel at the moment it's a little bit forced. However, my Instagram love, I know like I can be myself on there. And, you know, I can just put my personality across really organically. If you can go to a match and think, oh, yeah, I know him and I'm kind of... Like, I'm not friends with him, but you see people talking to him and saying, oh, Joe, Joe. And I'm thinking, you don't know him. Yeah. But they're sat there watching because they feel like they do because the amount of personality that comes through him on his social media, on interviews, then you can see that on pitch. So when you see someone having a giggle on pitch, you think, I know what they're giggling at because that's their personality. Mm. So I think that's a massive part of the women's game that needs to get better is the exposure to see people's like personalities come through and that is I mean podcasts like this do that things like Inside Line with England and and what have you but it needs to be much but it's such a big gap I mean I, I bought the camera because I well one I'm injured at the moment but two I have said this argument for so long you need someone in video in training so yeah. when the Quinns team come out for the men they do a little video clip of each thing and you see the training so it's not just on pitch. You, you see the training happening. You see a giggle here. You see a giggle there. You see who's friends with who. You then already have that person like in your head and you, you kind of feel like you know them a little bit. There's no training footage in the women's game. The, the, there's n barely any pictures that you can even put up on your Instagram to say, I played this weekend. You might have a choice of one or two. One, your eyes are closed. The second one, you just don't like either. So... I was like, right, I'm going to buy a camera. Not just that, 
I'm going to buy a camera because I like doing that anyway. But I've stayed till nine o'clock every night, not training, taking pictures of the girls, then putting it on my Instagram, sending it to them and saying, use it because that is like personality. That is you. That's your opportunity to show people who you are without it just being, oh, Quinn's played this weekend and they lost against Saris. So they mustn't be very good. But if, the, if there's then videos in training and you can see how people pass, that is how you can watching saying actually they can they can play rugby because we can play rugby mm. but if you can see like you know how in slow how you're passing the ball how someone's kicking the ball rather than it just being very quick one camera on on the top of a stand somewhere budget production yeah out. then then that's when people start saying actually these girls these girls can play rugby so taking it upon myself a little bit but well, good, well good on you the good like the, the saying goes content is king mm. and you've been a young woman at 23 my lad's 12, my daughter's nine, and watching how they consume life, whether we like it or not, right? Whether mm. we, as parents, you're in a different generation, whether, so I say we as in like my age, 40, whether we like it or not, kids will consume content online. 100%. Can't get away from it, okay? So that's the big shift. People involved in rugby, men's game especially, are a lot older. They don't get it, they don't understand. I do an article for the Times, they'd rather read the Times, the Telegraph with no substance, no mm. context. In order for rugby to grow, we got left in the dark ages. Content is king. Yeah. And even when I was a player, it was like, no, you can't say this, you can't do that. Hence why we're like, okay, we're going to start a podcast now, yeah. be ourselves. And even that took a while for people to come on and, oh, no, you can't go on the rugby pod. They're yeah. too silly or they're too stupid or they're saying that, this. To the point now, humbly, where it's like people want to come on yeah. because they understand not only for their personal growth and put themselves out there, but also for the growth of the game. Yeah. yeah. And rugby, whether or not it's men or women's, is one of the craziest sports. When you think about what it is, it's one of the craziest sports in the world. Yeah. A game in which a casual fan will struggle to understand what's going on. Mm. And it takes a spe special human to play the game. Yeah. Especially professionally, to go all in and be like, you know, this is going to be me. I'm going to run into someone as fast as I can or try and move away from someone running into me as yeah. fast as I can. Yeah. I'm going to jump up when the ball's a mile in the air yeah. and could potentially wrap my ankle on the way down. It's a short-lived career and I'm going to get paid not a lot of money to do it. You what? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, there needs to be a shift. I can't believe there should be cameras everywhere yeah. where the people like, you know, the whole kind of YouTuber thing. My lad's 12. I'm like, oh, what, what, what are you doing? He's like, I'm on YouTube. Like, what are you looking at? He said, oh, basketball. I said, you like basketball, don't you? He said, oh, it's my favourite sport. I said, oh, yeah. I said, who's your favourite team? He said, oh, the Golden State, Steph Curry. I said, okay. I said, have you ever watched? I said, how many people are in a basketball team? Oh, I don't know. Uh. I said, have you ever watched a basketball match? No. <laughs> I said, but you just said that basketball is your favourite sport. And it's because the access... Yeah. The personalities are out there. You 100%. fall in love with the athlete. You I fall, know. and and that is how you grow it. Because NFL is one of the most difficult games to watch on yeah. the TV. I imagine they've got helmets on. You don't even know who they I are. I know. It's, I've tried, and I can't even see the ball most no. of the time. <laughs> it's the biggest sport in the world. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. and that is because of the personalities, because of the access, because of the content, yeah. because of the footage, because of the podcast, yeah. because of the free media that you can get. Hundred percent. I mean, I've just finished watching Last Chance You. And I Perfect. now, all my Instagram and TikTok, I'm like, That's I'm same. amazed by basketball. And like, I wouldn't know how many people play on a basketball team. I'd have no idea. But 
well, I watch it because I've now watched that. I see the personalities. I see what it takes to be doing it. And there's just something so cool watching the how cool it is that they can all be on the same page and no one they don't even it doesn't even seem like they talk that much mm. but yeah it's um that's what i think needs to happen and there was um there was a, like a small documentary that came out about us before we went into the world cup and it was really good it was really good however i wish they did more on us the the new zealand girls black ferns are awesome at it their personalities are great and it comes out in a lot of the things that they do and i think it's part of the culture as well it's so different to the english culture Mm. But that whole, like, just being yourself, having fun, dancing, singing, it's music, it's all of that. But also then on pitch, you can see that the the girls are loving it. And it's not that we don't love it, but it's it's a very different culture that you need to get more of. And in terms of, like, YouTube and stuff, I've thought about it for a while about I'm just going to start a vlog. And it's something that I just need to dive into because I think it'd be something that I'd really enjoy doing. I'd take a lot of videos anyway, and I know how to put videos together and stuff. But... In terms of that whole personality piece, I think it's super important. Like I said earlier about potentially, oh, well, I've been thinking about, oh, do I do a podcast? And all we do is we get other athletes in. It, my idea at the time was we do like female athletes and we just talk because that personality side of it, there's, if you can talk to someone and they've just finished a shift from, I, some of the stories I've heard from work, I think, oh my God, that would mm. never happen. Yeah. That would never happen. Um, yeah, I think it's... It's super, and there's some people out there that are really doing it well. There's a, a girl that plays for Sevens called Alona Mar. She's massive on TikTok and like then from that massive on Instagram and people feel like they know us. They are travelling to the Sevens tournaments to watch her play. That's, I think, the growth that needs to happen, but it comes from, like I said, content is king. Exactly, so. and it's a slow burner and the, the appetite needs to be there and I think yeah. there needs to be a societal shift. Look at me talking about society and culture, but there does yeah, yeah, in yeah. rugby. Um, just before you go, I don't know if you're going off to training now, but just before you go, a couple of things. Just talk about the Six Nations. I think it'll be a really good tournament because you've got more of the teams being professional now. Contracts are coming out and I'd like to see the shift that that's created. We've got a few injuries, so we've got a different set of girls that are going to be together and we're starting to show new faces ahead of the World Cup coming up in 2025. So I think, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really exciting. It's something that, you know, we've come back from a World Cup. What does that mean now? Because we set out before World Cup we want to finish this tournament a better team. And I absolutely believe that we've done that. So there's some exciting stuff coming in, the way that we're going to change the game model a little bit. I'm excited as a back without giving away too much. So I, yeah, I'd really like strongly push people watch it, whether it's in person or it's just on the TV because, you know, it's, it's a changing game. And it's only going to change if people tune in or, or come to the matches. So bit of promoting there, but yeah, I think we've got to do it. Cause oh, 100%. No, and that's why it's been class to have you in. We've done a, over an hour there. Wow. Done Move over an quickly. hour. I know, like it's I brilliant. Said, I, know, I know how to talk. No, that's just, and you should do a podcast, like 100%. Like yeah, You have fun. to do it. And it's a slow burner. It takes a while. You've got to do it. There's an opportunity in the market yeah. for it, for sure. Um, it's great to have you in. What's your Instagram handle so people can follow some of the content? Oh, self-promotion again. There we go. It's well, this just, one is. It, it's very American. <laughs> that's what they do. I, know, I love it. It's just Ellie Kildon. You've been brilliant. Thank, Thank you very you. much for being so open. And good luck, apart Thank from you. the game against Scotland. Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. Absolutely. Ellie, thank you so much. Thank you.